The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny and hot afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area as we get closer and closer to the month of August. We get closer and closer to the college football season. We are officially 38 days away from Auburn football taking the field on September 3rd as we very impatiently wait on football season over here. And I know you're excited. I am as well. We are 38 days away from Auburn football kicking off the season. But happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. You have made it to the halfway mark of the week. We're almost to the other side of the week, right? Thursday, Friday, then the weekend will be here. So hang on. Keep working hard. We are almost to the weekend. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday to everybody out there. We've got a great show on tap for you today. I would love for you to call in, be involved, be a part of the show, be on the line. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Anything on your mind in the sports world that you want to talk about, anything that I'm talking about you want to jump in on and be a part of, I'd love to hear from you today. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. That is the number to put you on the line here on ESPN 106.7. We have a lot to talk about today, and I have a feeling that a lot of you are going to be disappointed, not with what we're talking about, but why we're talking about it. And about an hour or two ago, I guess it was about an hour ago, uh, Alabama, they picked up another five-star recruit for the 2023 class, Alabama football that is. Alabama has picked up five-star defensive back Caleb Downs. He commits to the Alabama Crimson Tide over Georgia, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. He is the 13th ranked overall prospect in the 2023 class. He is the top safety in the 2023 class. And he joins a massive list for Alabama on the 2023 football recruiting class. And you may be wondering, Jacob, why are we talking about this? Why do we we don't want to hear about Alabama having another recruit, but I think it's important for us to talk about these things. And I think it's important to compare it to Auburn and see how there is a massive difference and gap right now between Alabama recruiting and Auburn recruiting on the football field. And I think it's important for us to talk about these things and realize these things and also try to discuss what does Auburn need to do to fix this? How can Auburn begin to close the gap on Alabama? Now, there's the obvious one, right? There's an obvious answer to this. Nick Saban needs to retire, 
right? That's the obvious answer, but there's a lot more to that that's not, or that isn't Auburn's control rather than out of Auburn's control. We're going to look at Alabama's recruiting class as it stands right now. We're going to look at Auburn's recruiting class as it stands right now and talk about what Auburn and this entire program needs to do to get back to dominance in college football, being able to recruit at a high level, and how do you compete? with Alabama and Georgia, who are two of the best recruiting schools in the entire country, not just your conference, in the entire country, folks. We are going to talk about that. If you have any thoughts on this, I know you do. I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. But again, the news today, uh, about an hour ago, Caleb Downs, he is the five-star safety out of the state of Georgia, I will say. So that is very important. We'll talk about that as well. He's out of the state of Georgia. He's the number 13 overall prospect in the entire class. He's the top-ranked safety in the entire class. And he's a five-star out of the state of Georgia that Alabama went in they picked up the six foot, 185 pounder from Mill Creek High School in Georgia. And again, the number 13 overall prospect, according to 247 Sports. In high school, he has 186 tackles, six tackles for loss, one sack, 33 pass breakups, and 14 interceptions in just three high school seasons. So he still has one more year before he shows up to play for Alabama. And you start looking at the names that he joins on Alabama's recruiting class. Jalil Hurley, the five-star, he is on Alabama's recruiting class. Tony Mitchell, a five-star. Justice Haynes, a four-star. Eli Holstein, a four-star. There's so many different players and big-time names. Eli Holstein, Wilcom Formby, all of these are four-stars. Okay, The lowest ranking that they have that I can see is a three-star, and they have two of them. So Alabama, they have 15 players that have hard committed to their class already. You want to compare that to what Auburn has right now? Four. Auburn has four guys recruited on their, on their recruiting class for 2023. That's it. And obviously we know what the difference is. We can, we can do the math right there, right? And we know the difference in the situations as well. We know that Alabama is in a different, they're in a whole other world than where Auburn is right now in recruiting. But what can Auburn do to get to that point? How does Auburn get out of this rut and get out of this hole to where we can come on here every day and talk about the big time five star that committed to Auburn, not committed to Alabama? And now I do want to say this. The four players that are hard committed to Auburn's class right now, they're solid players. They're good players. Carmelo English, Jeremiah Cobb, Terrence Love, and Braden Joyner. Those are all fantastic players. You have an offensive lineman, a safety, a running back, and a wide receiver. They're all fantastic players. Three from the state of Alabama and one from the state of Georgia. All four stars. And so Auburn has good players. They just don't have enough of them yet. But what's the one thing that we've talked about that I've said is the problem with recruits right now? They love Auburn. They love Brian Harson, They love the school. They love the campus. They love everything about it. But they're waiting on that one thing. And that one thing is wins. Can Brian Harson win football games? That is what they're waiting on. Now, if they can get to that point, if they can start winning games, I think Auburn's going to be just fine in recruiting. So you want to talk about things they could do, 
Start winning. But let's go beyond that, right? Because that's the easy one to say, well, just go win some games. How does Auburn go from having four commits on July 27th compared to Alabama, who has 15 commits on July 27th? Alabama also has three five-stars on their recruiting class. Auburn does not have any. You look at the states that Alabama has gotten players from. Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Connecticut. I don't know how you pull that one off. Kansas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Mississippi again, Illinois. There's five or six different states on that list. Auburn has two. So Auburn has got to find a way to sell something that those other schools can't. And to be honest, I don't know if they can do that right now. I just don't know if they can. Because what can Auburn offer right now that no other school can? I just don't really know. The new football facility is going to help. That's for sure. It'll definitely help. There's no doubt. The new football facility will help your cause. Because now you can say for the next, what, year? Until somebody else builds one? You can say, we have the newest facilities in college football. We have the nicest facilities in college football, the most up-to-date, renovated, whatever word you want to use. Technically, you can say that. And recruits do like that. That's why you put so much money into it, because it works. Recruits want to have that. The players want to have those things, and it speaks volumes to them. That's why you do it. That's why you build massive buildings and you put millions and millions and millions of dollars into it so that's one thing that Auburn can can sort of hang their hat on for the next year or two is you have the nicest facilities in in college football the most up-to-date facilities in college football sure right but what else what else does Auburn have going for them that they can say yeah Alabama's great but at Auburn you can get this what is that I'm genuinely asking, what do you think? What can Auburn offer that other schools can't? I'm going to be honest, right now there's not a whole lot. And when you look at the recruiting class comparisons between what Alabama has for 2023 and what Auburn has for 2023, I think it's right there in the cards. But here's what I'll say. As confident as I am about this upcoming season for Auburn on the field, I'm just as confident as I am with that, as I am for Auburn in their success off the field this upcoming year. I really am. And to be honest with you, they go hand in hand. And that's how this works. I believe that this upcoming season, Auburn is going to get some wins on the football field. And I think you're going to see progress throughout the season. And so what will that mean? What that means is recruits can finally see, okay, And let me say this too, even if Auburn doesn't win 10 games, which I don't think they will, when they get that eight wins, like I've said they're going to, recruits, they're not going to be blown away by, well, wow, no national championship? Nah, I'm good. But they're going to see is, they're going to see development, they're going to see a future, and they're going to see progress in this program and they're also going to see that Brian Harson can win some football games now if that doesn't happen you can kiss recruiting goodbye you can kiss Brian Harson goodbye and you're back at square one for Auburn and Alabama and Georgia will continue to reign the SEC for 10 more years so think about that 
and how much is riding on this season for Auburn. Okay? But what I'm saying is, when Auburn starts winning some games and players can actually come to Auburn and get better as players, because that's not something we were seeing in the past. You can't tell me any player that came here, uh, there may be a handful, maybe. But most players that came to Auburn, they didn't really get any better when they left Auburn. And that's a problem. But I think you're going to see that now and in the future with this coaching staff. And so recruits are going to see that, and they're going to say, hey, I could go and be a part of a future here. I could see where this is going and where this can be two, three, four, five years from now. That is where Auburn has got to start having success, is getting people and recruits to buy in. Because look at the players on the roster right now. They bought in. They're in. They are ready to go, and they are locked arms with players, coaches, everybody, and they're ready to go through this thing together. Nobody knows what it's going to look like. Nobody knows if it's going to be successful or they're going to fall, fall flat on their faces. But everybody on the team right now is bought in. That's what you have to do with recruits. Why do you think these 15 guys on Alabama's recruiting class have recruited to Alabama? Because they know they can win. They know they're going to get better. And they know they're going to have the best chance to go to the pros. That is what Auburn has to get to. That's what you want to see. That's what successful college football programs do. It's what Alabama does. It's what Georgia does. It's what Ohio State does. It's what Clemson does. It's what Notre Dame does. It's what Oklahoma does. That's what those programs do. You win. You develop. You win championships. And you send guys to the league so they can go and get paid. That is what Auburn has to do. A lot easier said than done, right? There's no doubt about it. But you want to talk about how Auburn can close the gap on Alabama and Georgia. Sure, it starts on on the football field with some wins. But off the field, off the main field on Saturdays, the rest of the time, the other six days a week, which Brian Harson talked about at Media Days, by the way, the other six days of the week, you've got to be preaching and showing that there is a future for everybody at Auburn University. Come to Auburn to get better. Come to Auburn to get better. And let's rival these other schools. And let's see if we can become that. Because Auburn is not right now. They haven't been for a while. And so, sure, the gap right now is massive. The five or six schools across the country who are at the top, and then it's everybody else. Now, some schools... Like LSU, for example, they're always going to have talent because they're the best school in their state. There's nobody else there. Sure, other schools around the SEC can come into the state and get some good players, but for the most part, LSU gets the best talent in the state of Louisiana. Same thing with other schools. uh, There's other schools like that across the country. right? Oklahoma, they get the talent in the state of Oklahoma. Sure, there's Oklahoma State, but who are we kidding? Right? There's schools like that that are always going to have talent. Michigan, for example. Michigan's always going to have talent. Yeah, there's Michigan State, but overall, Michigan gets a lot of talent. And so those types of schools will always get it. Auburn's not in that situation. Sure, Auburn's going to get some talent, but right now, Auburn's in a hole. Auburn's in a deep, deep hole. 
And when you look and start comparing to what Alabama's doing versus what Auburn's doing or what Georgia's doing versus what Auburn's doing, it hurts and it's tough. And I almost want to say don't compare because I like to think that comparing, even in life in general, when you start comparing yourself to others, all you're going to do is beat yourself up and tear yourself down. I think that's what's happening with Auburn, and you can't do that. But you've got to figure out a way to fix it. Because if you don't, it's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. Until Saban retires, or or I don't even know. (laughs) I really don't. And so, what do you think about all this? And what started this is Alabama... They pick up another five-star today, uh, Caleb Downs. He is the number 13 overall prospect in the 2023 class. He's the best safety in that class. He is committed to Alabama, their third five-star recruit on their 2023 class. What do you think about all this? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Our question of the day is revolving around this. It's on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. I want to hear from you. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Talking about Alabama as they picked up another five-star recruit to their 2023 class. Question of the day for you is this. Will Alabama continue their success on the field in recruiting the whole nine yards? Will they, will they continue this level of success after Nick Saban retires? That's the question of the day to you. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Answer the question of the day. What's your thoughts on that? Your thoughts on the difference right now in recruiting for Auburn and Alabama? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. You know, when, when thinking about this question, um, you know, the, the easy answer would be no, that they were not going to continue this success. But I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. There's no doubt that Nick Saban has turned Alabama into just a, a dynasty, really, a dynasty who he's become one of the greatest, if not the greatest coaches in college football history. As much as we hate to say it and realize it over here, it's, I mean, you can't, you can't argue the facts, folks. You can't argue the facts. It's right there on paper. But when we look at it when he is finally done, which I think, and I've said this before, whenever his current contract is up, I think it's 27, 28, 2027, or 2028, one of those two years. I would have to look it up to remember. Whenever his current contract runs out, I don't think Nick Saban resigns or like resigns with Alabama. I think he's done. I think he'll retire. I think Nick Saban will call it quits. He will hang up the headset, call it a day, move to the lake, and be done. And I've said that for quite a while now. When all of this has when when all of this in college football has taken off like it has, with NIL, transfer portal, borderline free agency, pay-to-play, pay-to-win, all of that. When it, when it has reached the level that it has now, you can see and hear when Nick Saban talks, 
He's over it. He doesn't want to deal with it. He is the old school style of football coach, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's who he is. He wants to go into the house of a recruit and say, this is what I can give you. I can give you wins, championships, and send you to the pros. That's what he wants to do. And he's the best at that. And he's been the best at that for years. But now, with NIL being such a thing, where you can pay to win and pay to get the best players, he doesn't want to deal with that. Why? And, he, and he's scared because he's a threat. It's a threat to his success. It is. That's just honesty. NIL is a threat to Nick Saban's success because now there's a factor that he cannot fully control. And when somebody like him is so good at what they do, when they start to lose control, they get worried. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is, but it's the truth. And so now, instead of recruiting the best players to come play for your school so you can win, now you have to recruit them based off of money. And not only that, when they get to your school, you have to re-recruit them every single year. So now you're having to recruit twice. You're having to recruit your own team plus recruit the high school guys to come play for your team. And you're having to find ways to get guys that you were getting in the past. You're having to get them now, but in different ways. Because a lot of these kids now, they're not super worried about whether they're going to win or not. And it's going to get worse, by the way. Now they're worried about, how much money can you give me? That's the first question out of their mouth. How much money can you give me? That's just the way it's going. And it's only going to get worse. I, I can promise you that. It's only going to get worse. And that worries Nick Saban. And so you talk about, or the, you know, with the question, will Alabama resume its success and continue its success when Nick Saban is not here anymore? And he's not at Alabama. I'm not saying anything bad. When he retires from Alabama, I don't think so. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't think they will. And I feel bad for the poor sucker that takes the job after he's done. Oh, my goodness. I feel bad for that man. Whoever takes the Alabama head coaching job when Nick Saban retires, they're not doing it to be successful. They're not doing it for the fame. They are doing it for the money because they will not be there very long. I can tell you that right now. That poor man will be there, whoever it is, will be there for two years. He will not do good, and they will fire him and find somebody else. But he'll get his millions. He'll be fine. So don't feel too sorry for him, for whoever it's going to be. But again, Nick Saban is worried about his success in the future of college football. Because it's changing. The game has changed so much in, in just a year, right? It's changed so much. And, I mean, the guy's like 70-something years old. He's an old man. He is. He's an old man to be coaching college football. He should be retired. Most people at his age are retired. So he should be as well. And I'm not saying that he should be because I don't want him to coach Alabama. But I'm saying with college football changing so much... I really do think he's going to hang it up. I think he finishes out his contract. He's probably going to win again. And he's going to hang it up. Because I don't know if he's able to adjust as fast and as effectively as he used to in the past. And that's not a knock on him. But the game is changing a lot faster than it ever has before. And I just don't know if Nick Saban wants to put up with that. So I don't think he will. I think he'll retire, and when you look at the future of Alabama without Nick Saban, I don't know. 
I think for a while it will continue, right? It'll it'll carry itself for a couple of years, but unless you find somebody who is really good and effective and can come in with almost a a um a seamless transition like we've seen at Ohio State with Urban Meyer when he left, when Ryan Day stepped in, I'll be honest. I said, nah, he won't last three years. I said, he'll, he'll ride out Urban Meyer's recruits. He won't be able to do it to the same level and he'll be fired. But yeah, here we are. Ryan Day's done a fantastic job at Ohio State. Fantastic. And he still is. Alabama, I think, is a little bit different story. And college football down here is just a little bit than it is in Columbus, Ohio. And I don't think that will be the same story at Alabama. I think whoever they hire will not have a a fun time for a few years. They'll get their money and get fired. But ultimately, I don't see Alabama continuing this level of success. Why? Because they've got the best coach to ever coach, man. They've got a guy over there that has done it better than anybody else could dream of doing it. But I'll tell you what, Auburn fans, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And when that day comes... Maybe they'll even out a little bit. Or maybe not. Maybe they'll find somebody to replace them. We'll have to find out. Halfway through hour number one, stay tuned. We got some interviews from SEC Media Days. You don't want to miss it. Coming up. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Talking about Alabama football and how Auburn can close the gap in recruiting Last week, while I was at SEC Media Days, I had the chance to sit down with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We talked to him every Monday here on the show and got to sit down and talk to him one-on-one at the table, live, in person for the very first time. So that was super cool and exciting to get to meet him, talk to him, you know, actually in person. And so we talked a lot about Alabama and, and Auburn as well from SEC Media Days, the expectations of what we wanted to hear from Media Days in the upcoming season as well. He was out this week, so we were not able to have him on and so I wanted to play this audio from last week at SEC Media Days me and Joey Blackwell from Bama Central sit back relax and listen to my conversation with him at SEC Media Days as promised we have Joey Blackwell from Bama Central Joey it's nice to finally meet you in person have you on the show in person I love in person interviews they're just so much better how are you doing man and welcome to SEC Media Days I'm doing great thank you so much for having me uh, it's always a blast being out here in Atlanta you know kind of rotating back and forth between here and Birmingham and uh, thank you for having me it's uh, great to finally meet you in person as well absolutely well look we have a lot to talk about right there's yeah. a lot that's happened today tomorrow is Alabama Day right we know what we know what comes with Alabama Day at SEC Media Days and I have you on every week because people in Auburn do care what's happening in Tuscaloosa. They may not like it, but they do care what's happening over there and you do great work with Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site, uh, obviously with Alabama cover, so you do a great job. I love having you on the show. 
But before we talk about Alabama, let's talk about what's kind of gone down today. Greg Sankey took the podium to start the day. Lots of conversation about the state of the SEC, the state of college football, and athletics as a whole. What did you hear from Greg Sankey that caught your ear? Well, I think it's the same words that everybody else heard. You know, the word Super League. You know, talking about how, you know, with conference alignment, it's obviously a huge topic of discussion, um, not just in the SEC, but across the country right now. And so him just talking about, you know, how confident, how comfortable he is with the league. You know, he also said that he thinks that, that the conference is in a better position now than it has been ever. You know, so um, if you're a fan of the SEC or, you know, as a member institution, you're liking what you're hearing from the commissioner today. And then, of course, he also talked about NIL, you know, went in depth about that and, and talked about how he expected to hear a lot of coaches talk about that this week um, because between that and conference expansion, that's, you know, the two main items, you know, for discussion. So a, a very confident commissioner, you know, Sankey, you know, he's got away with words and uh, really liked uh, what we saw from him today. I think that's a big part of it. His demeanor was very, very confident in what he had to say and everything from start to finish, whether it was his opening statement or answering questions, he was very confident. And whether it was, you know, the comments about the NCAA not being able to do anything with NIL or he was talking about how the SEC is, is okay with 16 teams now with Texas and Oklahoma or talking about making NIL better for athletes, whatever it was. It seemed that Greg Sankey was very confident. Why do you think that is, that he is so confident in where the SEC is right now? Well, it's conferences, and, you know, you got to like the position that the conference is in right now. You know, they're adding two juggernaut programs, not just in football, but across the board in Texas and Oklahoma, um, you know, kind of beat the Big Ten to the punch with that. You know, of course, they have USC and UCLA coming in. But, you know, in Stability has never been a problem for this conference, you know, under Sankey's leadership or really ever at all. Um, so, you, you, so that, of course, he deserves that confidence. And you, this is a conference that year in and year out is still one of the most, if not the most profitable conferences, um, you know, and they still are potentially bringing in more institutions. We don't know that for a fact, obviously, but everybody's heard the rumors. So, you know, with this, I think it's a neck, it's a race between, it's a two-horse race between the SEC and the Big Ten. So you, he has that confidence for a reason. And I liked how he said the SEC is already a super conference. He made that slide remark multiple <laughs> times during his time right here behind us at the main podium here on SEC Media Days. Talking to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central live here at SEC Media Days on Radio Row here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You saw Brian Kelly from LSU take the podium for the first time today at SEC Media Days. Of course, big rival of Alabama, big rival of Auburn, and really not knowing what to expect from Brian Kelly today, it seemed like he handled himself pretty well. Yeah, he shared that, you know, that same confidence. Obviously, this is his first SEC Media Day, so there's a little bit of nerves those first couple of questions, but, you know, he, he definitely was confident in his program the whole time. You know, obviously, this is, a, this is a, a coach that's faced a lot of questions when he was hired, you know, and of course, we've all seen the, you know, the silly dancing videos and the commitments and all that stuff and even uh richard sankey poked fun at his dancing today um but this is this is the guy that you know he's did so success he might not have won a national championship um at notre dame when he had to play alabama or, or won a playoff game when he had to play alabama but this is a guy that has a lot of success and he's confident in recruiting he was asked about that and um this is a guy that's gonna do i think really well for lsu it might take him a couple of years because he still has to um develop those connections in louisiana but um I, you know i I've always liked his coaching style. I think he's going to do a solid job. Well, I was talking to Dan Peck earlier about uh, about Brian Kelly and the state of the LSU program. There's no doubt that there's talent on the roster, and we know the success that Brian Kelly has as a head football coach. And so, in your opinion, 
is it is it bound and determined to just connect, or do you think he's going to struggle at LSU? No, I think it's bound to connect. Like I said, I think it's going to take him a couple of years to get those connections to start doing uh, solid recruiting. But um, at the same time, you know, he did a fantastic job in Notre Dame. Notre Dame has one of the highest academic you know restrictions in the country, and he was still able to bring in really solid talent. Now that being said, he wasn't having to exactly compete with Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher or Lane Kiffin for that that recruiting hotbed that is Louisiana. But you know, I I, I liked what I saw from him today, and it's clear, you know, if he, we got to talk to several players today, and they all seem to really love him, you know, despite, you know, the, people were kind of calling Brian Kelly a misfit early on, you know, because he's from the, the, the Northeast or the Midwest, so um, I, I really like what I saw from him, bottom line, and I, I think um, it's, obviously it's a huge tonal shift from Coach Ed Orgeron, um, but I, I think, you know, he's got a certain amount of swagger, it's just a different type of swagger. You bring up Ed O, right? Yeah. He was the coach that the players loved. He was a player's coach, but I think Brian Kelly can be that too. We saw that at Notre Dame. Players loved Brian Kelly and they loved what he did and how he did it. I think that's something that can transfer to LSU. I think it's a matter of time where a great head football coach and amazing talent are going to come together. They just need a little bit of direction, right? And I think once that happens, I think LSU is going to be just fine if they weren't in the SEC. That's the big problem is, like you said, you're competing against Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn if they are able to get back to that point, Arkansas if they are going to be what people think they're going to be, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, that's just in one division. That doesn't even count the crossover games. So it's not that Brian Kelly can't do it at LSU. It's The question is, can Brian Kelly do it in the SEC? That's the big question for me. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the administration at LSU and I think that his players have bought into that. Now it's time for the fans to buy into that as well. But, of course, fans aren't going to buy into that until they see results. And I think it might take, like I said, it might take a couple of years, but I think eventually those results are going to come in. That's kind of what's going on at Auburn right now. I think, you know, it's very split, I would say. But people like me, I believe Brian Harson's the right man for the job, but we got to see the wins. I think yeah. that's where the recruits are as well. That's a lot of Auburn talk. We'll save that for later. <laughs> but tomorrow is Alabama Day here at SEC Media Days. It is the biggest day of the, of the week. There's no doubt about it. Everybody runs around like crazy, and everybody's trying to get a glimpse and a soundbite from Nick Saban. But not just Saban, the fantastic players that are coming with Alabama. Preview what we're going to hear tomorrow from Saban and the players from Alabama. Well, you know, with Saban, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a broken record. I think we're going to hear a lot about Jimbo Fisher again. We're going to hear about, you know, since because of that, you know, because of those, you know, those discussions, I think we are going to hear a lot about uh, from him about NIL and collective specifically, you know, and looking over at Bryce Young, you know, I, you know, he said um, in the offseason, you know, how, yes, he won the Heisman Trophy last year, but he considered last season a failure because they didn't win the national title against Georgia. And so I think there's going to be a lot of follow-up to that and talking about what his approach and this team's approaches next season and moving on to Will Anderson you know I think um, there's a lot of hype around this year's defense so some people are comparing it already to the 2016 defense which is one of if not the greatest defense in Alabama history and so with that of course come a lot of expectations so I think we're going to hear a lot about that and then finally you know with Jordan Battle you could have a lot of funny questions with Jordan Battle but you know I think his primary thing his primary topic discussion is obviously going to be he's he's the guy's going to know Eli Ricks the best and obviously what are they getting speaking of LSU you know what are they getting out of him bringing him in there at safety and what that secondary is going to look like after losing two key contributors you know from last year and Josh Jove and Jalen Armour Davis well Alabama brings three players I mean some of the biggest names in the SEC and college football some of the most talent in the entire SEC this is just a recurring thing for Alabama they're able to do this every single year you know when you talk about Bryce Young 
what does he mean to this Alabama team, not just here at SEC Media Days, but obviously for the entire program right now? Well, you know, he's the face of the organization for a reason, and that's not just because of, I mean, that's obviously due to a lot of what he can do on the gridiron, but that's also a lot to do with his mentality and his demeanor on and off the field. Um, I, I think he's... You know, Alabama's been really blessed over the past decade or so of having quarterbacks like that. You know, before him it was Mac Jones, before him it was Tua and Jalen Hurts. And they've really had a solid stream of guys that are high quality, not just on the field, but also off. And so he means a lot to this program. He's become its figurehead and with good reason. And um, that's definitely going to be in consideration if he can, you know, potentially win a back-to-back Heisman, which he'd be only the second player in history to do so. So he's got a lot of competition, though, and that's not just in the SEC. But, you know, he does obviously mean a lot to this program. Talking to Joey Blackwell from Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line, live from SEC Media Days at Radio Row here at the College Football Hall of Fame. The main stage is right behind us. Uh, tons of media members still down there putting in some work, but we still got some more to talk about. Of course, Alabama Day tomorrow, but just overall for Alabama and the Crimson Tide, they're obviously one of the betting favorites to win the SEC, to win the national championship. That hype is already here for Alabama. Is Can that be boosted at all by SEC Media Days tomorrow? Well, you know, if there's some viral moments with uh, Nick Saban or Jordan Battle, you never really know what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, those expectations are already sky high. It's kind of, and it's the same for Alabama almost each and every year. You know, it's kind of hard to get, you know, once your expectations are so high for so long, it's hard for them to be topped. But, you know, I think uh, I think we probably will see those expectations boost up maybe in a few weeks here once practices start. But right. for now, you know, Alabama's always been the one that everybody wants to see and, you know, hear from SCMA days, and that's still going to be the case this year. And over at your site, Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, what are you guys focusing on tomorrow with Alabama Day? Nick Saban and the players, what are you guys focusing on to, you know, for the content that you're producing over with Bama Central? Well, you know, it's those four questions I kind of brought up earlier with Nick Saban and the three players. That's definitely going to be a, a topic of conversation. Um, we're going to have, we have four people here, um, and we're all going to be kind of tailing Nick Saban and the three players all day tomorrow, and hopefully get some good stuff. You know, that that's what I'm be our focus you know we're wanting to talk about you know let's, let's dive into that defense and we actually have a a series coming up uh where we're going to be evaluating positions uh, and the groups heading into the season so but you know getting those quotes and getting you know those analysis from the players they obviously know it better than we do because they can see all the action so uh looking forward to getting that perspective from them and then outside of alabama of course there's more coaches and players to be heard from at sec media days 2022 here from atlanta who are some of the coaches and players that you're looking forward to hearing from well, you know, Jimbo Fisher, obviously, on Thursday has to be a big Shocker. One. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, tomorrow I'm really looking forward to seeing Mike Leach. You know, he's got a, a got an incredible talent in Will Rogers there this year. I'm wanting to see, you know, their offense has done a really solid job, um, but their defense has been some has been a huge problem. So I'm looking to see um, what he has to say about that. And obviously there's always Kirby Smart who, you know, walks in here, you know, with that swagger of being a defending national champion now and seeing, you know, what his approach is after winning that title and beating Nick Saban for the first time. So, um, you know, there's there's all of those and, and, and much, much more. That's the beauty of SEC Media Days. Well, you didn't say Brian Harson, so I was a little shocked. You're not, you're not excited to see Brian Harson walk in here? Come on now. No, I, I understand. But let me ask you about Auburn and Brian Harson yeah. because – like I said, the feeling around this program right now, especially back in Auburn and Opelika, it's kind of 50-50 right now. I've been talking about it a lot on the show. And, you know, in your mind, from the opposing side, from the other side of the state, the, you know, the town that people don't like to talk about in our neck of the woods, <laughs> what's the perspective of Auburn right now with Brian Harson as, as the head football coach at Auburn? 
you know, speaking as a somebody that's in touch with the fan base, not necessarily as a member of the media, you know, I, I can say that, you know, I think from an Alabama fan's perspective, a lot of them are kind of seeing, you know, the, distor- the disorder that's happened, you know, in this offseason, whether there be truth or, you know, the allegations and other things with the board, you know, be false. You know, regardless, there is, you know, I, there is those issues. And I think that, out, you know, from a media perspective, you know, this is a this is a situation where you want to see Brian House, Brian Harson gets his, get his house in order, you know, and I think he's done a really solid job. You know, there was all that uproar, you know, just earlier this year, and now nobody's talking about all that anymore. People are know that he's focused on football, and the fans are as well. Um, you know, I, I think they have a, a really talented, you know, quarterback this season, um, you know, coming in in, in in Calzada, and, you know, I think the Tank Bigsby's still going to be, you know, a beast for them. I do have some questions for their defense, but that being said, Auburn has a way of having a defense that on paper doesn't look that good heading into the season, but just becomes a top three SEC defense. So I'm really excited to see what Harson can do in year two. I mean, he was the guy that came closest to beating Nick Saban last year, aside from, of course, um, the two that did. But, uh, you know, just really impressed with what he's done and looking forward to seeing that develop. We have a few more minutes with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line, live from SEC Media Days on Radio Row, just above the main stage here at the College Football Hall of Fame. You talk about the drama that went down in the offseason for Brian Harson and Auburn. Do you think, it, I mean, it may be an obvious question and answer, but do you think it comes up at all during Brian Harson's main time on the main stage on Thursday? You know, I don't know if it'll come up on the main stage, but there is a, there's a secondary stage people talk on that people are a lot more comfortable with asking those type of questions. So it might come up in conversation, but, you know, it's it's like I said if, you know, a couple of seconds ago, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of just been forgotten about because the Auburn fan base and everybody else has been so, sh- their focus has been shifted to actual football and not the, you know, potential other things that could have happened. So, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody talks about that, you know, with, with the with the boosters in the board there. But, it, you know, because that is pertinent to a coach's job. Um, but I think that since they've done such a solid job, it, people will write about it. But as far as people actually asking questions, I'm not so sure. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Like always, let everybody know where they can find everything you're doing. It's a busy day for you tomorrow, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. If everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports, they can follow us at Bama Central, uh, BamaCentral.com, and obviously the same handle on both uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We just started Instagram, so we got that going now. But, yeah, we'll have coverage uh, through tomorrow night. We're actually not going to be here all week, but we will be covering remotely on Wednesday and Thursday and be definitely have some stuff to say about Auburn as well. So encourage all Tigers fans to come ahead on over. Lots of stuff to go over. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, thank you so much. It was nice to finally meet you, have you in person. Uh, I will talk to you later. I know you have a busy day tomorrow. I'll see you around. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Always great to talk to my good buddy Joey Blackwell from Bama Central. That was my conversation with him last week at SEC Media Days, of course, before Alabama took the main stage and before Auburn took the main stage a couple of days later. Always great talking with him about the state of Alabama football. I got to ask him some questions about what the perspective is from Auburn right now in Tuscaloosa and Obviously, they just see the disaster that went down in the offseason, but let's hope that they get to watch the rebuild and the rebound from Auburn this season uh, coming up in just 38 days. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. We'll come back and talk about a disappointing series for the Atlanta Braves. We'll wrap up hour number one on the other side of this break here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, the Atlanta Braves ended a disappointing series against the Philadelphia Phillies just about 20 minutes ago. Uh, game one was on Monday. We remember they lost that game 6-4 to four after being ahead 4-3. to three. Uh, after six innings, they allowed three runs in that eighth inning, and the Phillies were able to take game one six to four. The Braves turned around last night. They win it six to three on the road in Philly, and then they had game three of the series today. It started this morning at like 11.30, so it literally just got done about 20 minutes ago. But the Braves, they lose the finale seven to two, and only for the second time in this month of July, they have lost a series. So they lose the series to the Phillies two games to one. And just looking at the box score here for the Braves and the Phillies, really what did it, the Braves gave up five runs in the fifth inning. It was 0-0 heading to the bottom of the fifth, and the, and the Braves, they gave up five runs. The Phillies took a 5 nothing lead. Braves got a couple back in the top of the sixth to make it 5-2, to two, but they gave them right back in the bottom of the sixth to score two for the Phillies, and that was all she wrote. It was a 7-2 to win for the Phillies, and that puts the Braves at 59-41, and still in second place in the National League East. The Phillies are now 51-47 and third in the National League East. And you know what? What's disappointing is uh, Morton gets the loss. He's now 5-5 five and five on the year for the Braves with a 434 ERA. For the Braves, you know, you're the better team here, and this is a series in your division that you want to try and pick up those wins. I've talked about these games and these series coming down the stretch in this month where the Braves try to get some wins. Not that the Phillies are a bad team. I don't want that to be the case at all because they're not a bad team. They're third in the National League East, and when you look at their record, they're 51-47. and 47. So they're not a fantastic baseball team, but they're not bad either. And with the series win, they're now seven games behind the Braves, and the Braves are two and a half games back of the New York Mets, who are in a big-time series with the New York Yankees right now. Uh, we know the firepower that's going on in that matchup there in New York City, with the Yankees being literally the best team in baseball, I think, and... Obviously, the Mets being the best team in the National League East, one of the best teams in the National League. The Mets actually won last night. They beat the Yankees 6-3 to uh, at, at their home place, so playing in, in for the New York Mets. Yankees make the short trip over. Uh, their second game, it's only a two-game series. It's tonight at, uh, looks like, 6 o'clock our time. So, for one day only, we can be Yankees fans. That's okay. We can cheer for the Yankees tonight. But for the Braves, they got one more series this month before a very, very, very tough stretch to start the month of August. The Braves, they're going to be fine. They're only two and a half games back. Hour number one, officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two, coming up. ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny Wednesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hey, if you missed any of our number one or any other of my shows, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. So make sure you go and find that again. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to ESPNAU.com and listen under the Podcast Center. You can go and listen to my show or The Drive, or uh, you can go there and listen to that as well uh, at ESPNAU.com. So make sure you go there or wherever you get your podcast, just search on the line. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, I'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. That number is 334-321-1390. One more time, 334-321-1390. We had a lot to talk about in hour number one. We have so much more to talk about here in hour number two. And let's start it like we always do with making headlines here on Wednesday, July 20. 2022. The countdown to football season continues. We are 38 days away from Auburn football kicking off the 2022 season. That's right, 38 days away from September 3rd when Auburn kicks off the season. And lots of question marks. We know that, but we're all very excited about what is to come in 38 days for Auburn. So 38 days away, we are even closer than that from college football and high school football starting altogether. So really, really excited for that. The countdown continues here on On the Line. 38 days away from Auburn football. Here in making headlines on Wednesday, July 27, 2022, Alabama has picked up the best safety in the class for 2023. They pick up the number 13 overall recruit in the 2023 class, and his name is Caleb Downs. He is the defensive back. He's a safety coming out of the state of Georgia. He's a five-star Coming out of Georgia, he is in the 2023 class. He is the number one safety in that class. He's the number 13 overall prospect in that year. And, I mean, the rich get richer, right? That's what they say. And Alabama has picked up, yet again, another five-star recruit. They've added their 15th player to their 2023 class. You compare that to Auburn, the Tigers have four. And Auburn does not have any four-stars yet. They do have four four four-stars. So, I mean... A lot less, but there are really good players for Auburn in the class. But the news coming out today, Alabama picks up Caleb Downs from Mill Creek uh, High School in the state of Georgia. He's six foot, 185 pounds. He's a five-star safety. He committed this afternoon. The best safety in the class, number 13 overall player in the class. And as I said, that is the 15th player for Alabama uh, to commit in this class. Some of the states that they have gone in and taken players out of Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Connecticut. You look at some other ones, Kansas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Illinois. So many, many states that the Crimson Tide has gone into and picked out some players. They have 15 in their recruiting class for next season. And again, comparing to Auburn, the Tigers have four. But here's what I want to say, and I talked about this a lot in 
uh, in the first hour. Auburn may only have four in their class right now, but they're four very good players, and I think more are coming. Auburn's not going to end this class with just four guys coming in for the 2023 class. I think we can all agree that that is not going to happen. We just got to give it a little time, and I know that's hard to say, and it's hard to, to swallow. I agree. I'm right there with you. I want to see more success as well, but as I've, I've mentioned, it's gotten to the point where recruits love everything about Auburn. They're just waiting on Brian Harson to win. And you can't win until the season gets here. So it's almost like Auburn's kind of stuck. And that's okay. I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do about it until the Tigers get on the field and they start beating some teams and winning some games and doing some things that people don't think they're going to do. And until you do that, and until you can prove that this is a place where players can come and be successful at Auburn... The recruits are not going to come. And so that's what we're waiting on. But the news today is Alabama, they have picked up yet again another five-star for their 2023 class. The rich get richer with Caleb Downs out of Georgia. Moving on and making headlines, the Live Golf Tour will be expanding next season. They are going to go to 14 events with a total of $405 million in total purse over all of those events. And the total purse, if you're not huge into golf or don't understand what that means, is the total purse is the amount of money that they will be paying out over the entire season. Each tournament has a total purse. Uh, it, It ranges from a a bunch of different amounts but whatever the total purse is that's the amount of money that they are paying to everybody that will be participating in the tournament in the pga the total purse only goes to the players that make the cut but as you i'm sure you know in this live golf tour everybody that plays gets paid there are no cuts there's none of that there's no cut line there i mean there's none of that there's no like everybody that plays gets paid that's the that's the easiest way to put it right you see everybody on thursday you're gonna see them all on sunday versus the pga tour where you see everybody thursday friday and then only half of them are playing on saturday and sunday the live golf tour said they're not doing that everybody who plays gets paid and next season they are expanding to 14 events with a 405 million dollar total purse across those 14 events for everybody that plays on top of the contracts that they're signing for these players, million, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars they are paying in contracts and then tournament money that they're paying out. You want to talk about pay to win, Live Golf is doing it right now. They are getting the biggest names in golf, and they are doing it week by week. And eventually, I think they're going to pick the PGA Tour apart because the, the few guys that are remaining on the PGA Tour that are just basically paying homage to the PGA Tour and saying, I'm not going because I'm committed to the PGA Tour, that's fine, right? That's totally fine. If you want to do that, be my guest, but you're going to watch all your buddies go and make a lot more money than you, and they're going to play a lot less golf than you as well while they do it, and and I just don't think they can survive doing it that long. I'm not saying that the Live Golf Tour is going to take over as the PGA, but right now, I mean, all they can do All the Live Golf Tour is doing is offering more money and letting golfers play less golf. Because remember, they also only play three rounds. They don't play as many tournaments, and they only play three rounds versus four with the PGA. So players are playing less golf, they're making more money and more exposure. And they're having more fun, it seems like. Now everybody hates them. (laughs) The traditionalists in the game of golf, they hate them. But they're making more money, so I don't think they really care. And so with this announcement, they're having a couple of more events, which we knew they would. 
right? This is sort of like a, some trial runs that the Live Golf Tour is working with right now. We knew they were going to add more events. Is this something we will see as time goes on? Will they just slowly keep adding more tournaments to where it gets to a point where the players end up playing a lot more golf uh, and still making this amount of money? We'll see. We know where the money's coming from, and whether you agree with that or not is fine. That's a whole different subject. That has been a big part of why so many people don't agree with the Live Golf Tour because it's backed by the Saudis. But there's one thing they got, and they've got money. And that is what they are using right now to their advantage. It's an eat-or-be-eaten league out there at this point, and the Live Golf Tour is doing everything they can to take down the PGA and take every good golfer that the game has to offer. Moving on in making headlines here on Wednesday, July 27, 2022, the Atlanta Braves, they drop a disappointing series against the Philadelphia Phillies, a series that I believe the Braves could have won. I think they should have won as well. It was one that they needed for the standings as they are now two and a half games back of the New York Mets. They're still seven games up on those Philadelphia Phillies, uh, but the Braves for the first time this month uh, they've or I guess I should say this only for the second time this month they have lost a series of course they lost to the Mets back in early July or I guess it was mid-July and then now they have lost the series to the Philadelphia Phillies after dropping the third and final game this afternoon seven to two first pitch was like 11 30 this morning and they knocked it out real quick and they they end up losing game three on the road at Philadelphia seven to two they won game one on Monday or excuse me they lost game one on Monday six to four they should have won they were up and they blew it in the sixth it was a six four defeat from the Atlanta Braves they win game two yesterday six to three and then today like I said they lose the third and final game of the series seven to two and with that the Braves have one more series this month they play the Arizona Diamondbacks back in Atlanta Friday Saturday and Sunday and again looking at the standings the Braves are still two and a half games back of the New York Mets who have one more game against the New York Yankees tonight so we are Yankees fans for just one day only and they are still seven games up on the Philadelphia Phillies. But again, I think that's a series that the Braves could have won, uh, possibly should have won. But at this point, you can't sweat it, go out, take care of business this weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks before a tough, tough start to the month of August. Here later on in Making Headlines, it is Wednesday, so we're going to have the Wednesday MLB update. Uh, We can actually go ahead and do that right now as we are talking some baseball with the Atlanta Braves. Again, they dropped their series against the Philadelphia Phillies. They didn't get swept, so that's good to see. You know, obviously you don't want to get swept. The Braves have done a good job of not doing that. But again, a series that the Braves, you got to win, especially those divisional series when you have a chance to be, when you are the better team and you have the chance to pick up those wins, these are the ones you want to see the Braves win. Maybe not sweat it too much because the month of August is absolutely brutal. We've talked about that and we will some more next week with the beginning of August. Isn't that crazy? August is next week, folks. That's unbelievable. But looking at the MLB standings here on this Wednesday afternoon, as we always do with the Wednesday MLB update, we'll start in the American League. It's the New York Yankees and everybody else. And this, is, this division has blown up after the Yankees. 
Behind them, it is a massacre right now. You look at the Yankees, they're 66-32. and 32. They have the best record in baseball. They have the most wins in baseball. And they are 11 and a half games up on the Toronto Blue Jays. Remember the Boston Red Sox, how they were doing pretty well? Yeah, not anymore. They're 500, 49-49, 17 games back of the New York Yankees. They are in last place in the American League East. It goes Yankees, Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays. The Baltimore Orioles are now above 500. They started out horrible, and they have played so well over their last uh, however many 20 games or whatever it may be. And they have passed the Red Sox, and they are in dead last as Boston with 49 and 49. Looking at the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins, atop of that division, but not by much at 52 and 45. They are ahead of the Cleveland Guardians by two and a half games, who sit at 49 and 47, followed by the Chicago White Sox, Kansas City Royals, and the Detroit Tigers. Looking at the American League West, it's the Houston Astros and everybody else. They sit at 64 and 34. Behind them, the Mariners in second place who have had a, a really good season for them. They're 53-45. and 45. Seattle is having a great season for that franchise. They're 11 games back of Houston, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Uh, they've just been winning, and I'll be honest, man, there's not very many times I can remember Seattle Mariners being a solid baseball team year in and year out, so congratulations to them. They're playing good. We'll see if they can close the gap on the Houston Astros. Behind the Mariners, the Rangers, the Angels, and the Oakland Athletics. Moving on to the National League as we look at the Wednesday MLB update here on On the Line. We have the National League East. We talked about that a little bit with the New York Mets sitting at 60 and 37. So they have officially hit 60 wins with their victory over the Yankees last night. 60 and 37. They are two and a half games up on your Atlanta Braves, who sit at 59 and 41. Both of those teams are six and four in their last 10 games. And right behind the Braves, uh, seven games back, I should say, are the Philadelphia Phillies who just took the series against the Braves at, four, or at 51 and 47. Then behind them, the Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals. Looking at the National League Central, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers, 54 and 44, three games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals. And then everybody else is way, way back. The Chicago Cubs, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Cincinnati Reds are 13 and a half or more games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. And finally, the National League West, which at one point was the best division in baseball. I don't know if it is right now with the separation that's going on over there in the National League West on the West Coast. But the Los Angeles Dodgers we know them 64 and 32 they're quietly having a great season I think the Yankees have really taken over the stage and getting all of the spotlight all of the attention and the Dodgers are quietly having a fantastic season at 64 and 32 they're 10 and a half games up on the second place San Diego Padres I mean just taken that they have taken that division and ran away with it Padres 10 and a half games back at 55 and 44 they're 11 games above 500 and they're still 10 and a half games back of first place unbelievable followed by San Francisco Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies that's your Wednesday MLB update here on on the line couple of more headlines here on Wednesday July 27 2022 still no deal made for Kevin Durant after the Boston Celtics reached out for him in a trade Uh, The Nets continue to ask for 
basically the world for Kevin Durant. They want a future, and you cannot blame them. They have one of the best players in the entire world, and the Brooklyn Nets want to make sure they are taken care of for the future before they go and trade their superstar, Kevin Durant. But the problem is nobody can afford it, and nobody wants to give up their entire future to get Kevin Durant, and that's exactly what you're going to have to do. If you want Kevin Durant in this trade, you better give up your future for the next five, six, and maybe even seven years because that's what the Brooklyn Nets want. I would do the same thing because if you're the Nets, you're going to win either way. You either keep Kevin Durant or you get a future for five, six, possibly seven years. So ultimately, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be okay. But for these teams who are trying to get Durant, how much future do they want to give up? If uh, For me, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. I don't want to see them give up. Jalen Brown and so many first round draft picks for years to come I just don't think at this point Kevin Durant is worth it to me he hasn't proven he can do it and sure he's won but not really on his own would I love to see him and Jason Tatum paired up maybe I'm not even sure I'm sold on that because I think Tatum can do it on his own with everybody else on the Celtics team and Kevin Durant he's just got something about him when he joins a team it just normally doesn't go well, right? Unless the team just overpowers you, something about Kevin Durant just doesn't sit right with me on my team. So I'm okay if the Celtics miss out on him. There's no deal been made yet. We may not even have one by the start of the year. He may still be wearing the black and white Brooklyn Nets jersey come the start of the NBA season. A couple of more headlines here before we take our first break at hour number two. Juan Soto from Washington after turning down one of the biggest contracts I've ever seen. Washington offered him a 15-year, $440 million deal for the star baseball player, the Washington Nationals. They offered him 15 years, $440 million. I believe he's 23 years old. I think that's how old he is. He's young. Okay, he's very young. Yeah, 23. He turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract from the Washington Nationals. Could you imagine turning down $440 million? There is no way I would turn that money down. Now, it's a 15-year deal, which means 23, you're probably going to be playing there for the rest of your career. And if you're playing for Washington, don't really know how successful you're going to be, but you're going to be set for life. Your kids will be set for life. Your grandkids, their kids, their grandkids generations will be set for life if you were to accept a 440 million dollar contract but he turned it down and now the trade is on the trade market is open for him teams have been calling left and right and they are saying he could possibly sign a 500 million dollar contract which I think would be the biggest in professional sports history just unbelievable he's a young superstar the Braves are on the list I don't know if that is going to work out the two teams that are really in the mix the Yankees and the Mets and so shocker the teams that have the most money in baseball going after the best players it's crazy how that works right Uh, I hate I hate how the MLB does that but anyway Juan Soto still on the trade market after turning down $440 million. I would love the Braves to get him, but I don't know if they want to pay him that much. For that long, too, not too sure how that's going to go down. That's all I got for making headlines here on Wednesday, July 27th. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. Give me a call. What'd you think about all that? What's on your mind? Call in, be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Question of the day on the other side of this break. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. A question of the day for you is this, in case you missed it back in hour number one. With Alabama picking up yet again another five-star in their 2023 football recruiting class, Caleb Downs, the number 13 overall uh, recruit in the class, the number one overall safety in the class. Question of the day to you is this. Will Alabama continue their football success, winning, recruiting, everything like that? Will they continue that success when Nick Saban is no longer at Alabama? That's the question of the day to you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Will Alabama's success in football continue after Nick Saban is gone? And that question's kind of wide open uh, and wide range. It could be a couple of years after he's gone, it could be 10 or 15 years after he's gone, whatever you want to answer, however you want to answer that question, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. My answer to this is, is this. Immediately after he leaves, no, they will not have the continued success because the poor soul that takes over after Nick Saban will not be there very long. He'll get his couple of million dollars and then he'll be fired because he will not live up to the expectations that Alabama fans have. And they are very spoiled, Alabama fans are, which is fine. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but they are. They're very spoiled with what they have right now. And when Nick Saban leaves, they are going to expect whoever steps in his role to do what he did. And they may say, no, we know it's different. It's not going to be that, right? They may say that, well, I will give him, we'll give the next guy some grace, no, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. They are not going to give the whoever it's going to be. They are not going to give him grace at all because after a, after one year of a mediocre season, they're going to lose their minds. Alabama fans will, and then Auburn fans are going to say, "Welcome to the club." We're going to say, "Welcome to reality." This is what a coaching change looks like. And so, after a year of of mediocrity from whoever replaces Nick Saban when he retires that poor soul will not be there very long but then the coach that takes over after him I think that's going to be the important hire for Alabama in the future is who is that next big guy for Alabama who is you know is it going to be Dabo Sweeney I don't think so not at this point I just don't see that I know that has been flying around for years I just don't see Dabo leaving Clemson. I really don't. I don't see that happening. Uh, but again, who is that guy going to be for Alabama? We, I mean, we have no idea who it's going to be yet. But I think that's what they're going to look for is after they hire somebody, as soon as Saban retires, Alabama will hire a guy. He'll be there for a few years. He'll fail. He won't meet expectations. He'll be fired. They'll buy him out. And then the next guy is the one that I think they are wanting to to make sure is the right one they would love for the next guy to be it but I don't think that's the case but who can they find who is their next Ryan Day like we've seen at Ohio State who took over after Urban Meyer right who is that guy who is their Kirby Smart their next guy who is that going to be right I just don't know so immediately after Saban retires no they will not have the same level of success but I think in the future yeah they probably will why because it's Alabama and that's just what they do 
But Auburn can be a, a thorn in the side of that. I think Auburn can can really put a put a damper on that in the future. Because if Auburn is able to make this work with Brian Harson and their coaching staff, what if this group at Auburn becomes the next dynasty in college football? Right? What if this group at Auburn and this coaching staff becomes the dominant recruiting school in the South? You think it sounds crazy, but what if it works? Well, then Alabama may go through some struggles, and maybe they'll have to rebuild and find a way to compete with Auburn. That'd be a crazy thought, right? How cool would that be? I'm saying it's possible. That's what I'm saying right here to you right now. It is possible. And obviously Alabama has the history. They have the standards, but Nick Saban has made that so. Bear Bryant made that so. But what if Brian Harson can make that so at Auburn? That's something to think about. So will Alabama have the success after Nick Saban leaves? Not immediately. And let's just hope they struggle down the stretch and they struggle down the, down the road and down in the, in the next few years after Saban retires. They're not going to struggle with him there, let's just be honest. And I've said it multiple times, I'll continue to say it. When Nick Saban's contract is up at Alabama, when that contract is over, he will not re-sign. He will resign. He'll be done. We got 30 more minutes here in the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Open like a sports leader. Last week at SEC Media Days, I was able to meet Lee Sterling. He is the host of the Locked on Bets podcast. Got to talking to him and really enjoyed it. Uh, Talked to him all week long. Just about everything going on in college football, what he does with the Locked on Bets podcast, and I invited him on the show. He sat down and had a great conversation with me last week. I'm going to play that audio for you right now. My interview and conversation with uh, new friend Lee Sterling, host of the Locked on Bets podcast last week at SEC Media Days. We have Lee Sterling, the host of the Locked on Bets podcast. Lee, thank you so much for stopping by. I met you the other day, yesterday it was, and we got to talking and, you know, obviously got to to talking and meeting each other and wanted to have you on the show. You do a unique type of Locked on show, Locked on Bets. So let everybody know what your show is and how you got into this. So um, 30 years ago, I was a real estate broker, managing Lee Shopping Centers, uh, was, oh, God, probably about six seven years past playing college football and i thought i was on my way and then all of a sudden took a little detour went to a wedding of a college fraternity brother and he said to me wow uh, i played a couple years at southwest texas state now Mm -hmm. texas state and then was at the university of texas he's like man you used to tell us all the good bets and we made a lot of money like can you come on my show uh, so I decided there's two two guys I went to college with. One was in St. Louis, one was in Houston. I do their show that fall, and they're like, "People want your phone number. You got to come up with a price. You got to." You're start. making people money. Yeah, I, I did have a good run to start off, which uh, always helps. And then all of a sudden, the off season, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to send out 
some cassette tapes mm-hmm. uh, to some different stations. This was n- the summer of 1993. Okay. Sent out 12 cassette tapes. Ten stations were like, yeah, let's, ro- let's go with it. And... Put in my uh, my termination side. I'm gonna not wow. be. Well, I can always come back to being a, a real estate broker. And 29 years later, I'm still doing it. So, wow. and then and then a couple of years ago, almost two years ago, David Locke, Locked On uh, Network, came to me, the president, and he said, "Listen, I used to hear you in Seattle, and how would you like to start this show?" And I was a little hesitant mm-hmm. because, you know, podcasts slowly building and. And I did it, and it is taken off for one of the top five podcasts right now for sports gambling. Wow. So I, I think the reason it's taken off is people, nothing against these shows that are on TV and on the radio, but people aren't going to listen for three hours to sports gambling. Yeah. And we're about 13 to 14 minutes. I give out three or four of my top plays each day. Mm-hmm. We have fun with it. And it helps if you win more than you lose also. Right. Well, when it comes to, I feel like, sports gambling, I mean, people are going to tune in because they want the picks, they want to know why, and then they're done and they want to get out of it, right? I mean, they're they're in it to, to get what you have to say. They don't need a huge explanation when you're talking about sports betting, but that's so exciting to hear, you know, how you got into that. And, and obviously, you must be pretty successful, and people are, are obviously listening to you, and you must be picking some winners because I feel like if you pick losers constantly, nobody's going to tune in, right? No, no. You you got to win for people. That's that's the way it always is. So, right, uh, right. Um, it, I, I spent a lot of time in the summer, and it's getting harder. I got to yeah. be honest with you, Jacob. Yeah. During the summer, now with the transfer portal, mm-hmm. it used to be I watched a couple games from each team the year before. Took in 10, 15 spring games. Taken in 83 spring games I've watched on tape, mm-hmm. and I've watched at least three or four games of every team because. You, you got to hit the ground running. That's how you win in this sport. You don't wait until week five or week six and say, oh, I think I got to figure it out now. Mm-hmm. If you have an edge and you can find out a backup quarterback, you know, it has a real weakness. He's nowhere near the starter. And let's say they're at Texas or at LSU and – the line doesn't change at all. Hey, that's where you can make some money. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this before we start getting into some of the teams that have been here and are going to be here at SEC Media Days this week. What is one thing that you've learned in your years of working in, in, in betting and in sports betting with doing podcast and radio segments on sports betting? What's one thing that you've learned over the years? Probably don't get too high, too low watching one game. Yeah. Uh, the... The public falls in love with the team one week, and the next week they go down. Yeah. Um, if, if they're on, if they're the lead story on ESPN, probably the next week, unless they're Alabama, they're they're probably yeah. going to fall flat on their face. So, just be even keeled and and study the matchups. It's not, you know, how much talent you are; it's how you match up against your opponent. Talking to Lee Sterling, host of the Locked On Bets podcast here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, live from SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Uh, Remember, our SEC Media Days coverage is sponsored by the Orthopedic Clinic, Jackson Services, and Kia of Auburn. Lee, let's get into some of the teams that are running around here this week at SEC Media Days. First, we'll talk about Auburn because most of our listeners, that's what they want to hear about. Auburn this year, you know, the national media is kind of split. That's sort of what I've talked about. They are split on what we are going to see from Auburn. I've seen win projections anywhere from four to eight, but just on a, a broad statement from you about Auburn and what you expect to see from Auburn football this fall. I think the pressure, some people say it's on them. I don't think so. Uh, I think everyone's looking at all these other teams like Ole Miss 
Arkansas. Off, you know, uh, both these two teams, nine, ten and three, and nine and four seasons. So I, I know everyone's talking about Harson. He's got to produce right away. But for some reason, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I, I think. One of the things that they obviously have to settle on the quarterback, and one of them, those two guys, Finley or Calzada, has got to perform, but they've got to use Tank Bigsby more. They did not have him on the field enough. There was times, third and three, third and four, it took him off the field. I mean, you got to keep him on the field. Even if you're going to pass the ball, you got to keep that threat. Uh, the receivers got to run a little bit crisper routes mm-hmm. and hold on to the ball. Uh, I think they need to have one guy really establish themselves. What it, Not only... Can you go to that guy in crunch time? That's the guy that they're going to have to double. Mm-hmm. And they just – they haven't had those guys in the last couple of years. they got to be able to find them and develop them. And then uh, on defense, you know, they're counting on maybe three transfer JCs to start, and, and that's risky. So just got to have everything go right. But, you know, the win totals at six, six and a half. They can win seven, eight games. I, I can – clearly see it happening and for Brian Harson's sake he needs it to happen yeah he better hope he gets a couple of those wins well when you look at the schedule for Auburn realistically in in the you know in the numbers in the media it's one of the hardest in the entire country but when you look at it in my opinion the Auburn schedule it's kind of favorable would you agree or do you think it's a, a difficult schedule I think it's favorable. I mean, the first five yeah. games are at home. I think that's right. the most that, important. That, and, and, and I think Penn State can be taken. I think they're going to be ready for the game. There was five or six plays in that game last year. Yes. I mean, if Knicks hits a guy wide open, uh, maybe throws the ball a little bit quicker. Yep. Um, maybe there was a bust. And, you know, there's a lot of times you'll see people, they'll look over a game and they'll say, oh, this was a close game. Auburn was the better team that night, in my opinion. They just couldn't come up with that one play, and that's the difference a lot of times between a 6-7 and seven season last year and maybe 8-5 and five this year. So maybe that experience, I love teams in year 2 and 3 in the program. They're going to catch Penn State with a new defensive coordinator. So, you know, Manny Diaz comes over Miami. He's not a great coordinator. People think of him as this, this guru and he was a really good coordinator. Miami never stopped anyone in the six years he was there that was good. Now, right. now, for instance, I think the, his second year they beat Notre Dame at home. Notre Dame was ranked number two, but that was not a good offense. Mm-hmm. So he gambles a lot, and when he gambles, you know what they say: you can get burned big time. And I think Auburn, if they find that quarterback and use Bigsby, uh, you know, most judiciously, I, I think that they can they can win that game. And they go they start off the season four and zero. Look out, lights out. They could win nine, ten games. You never, you never know. Talking to Lee Sterling, host of the Locked On Bets podcast, here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Let's talk some of the other teams around the SEC. Obviously, the ones that are the betting favorites would be Alabama from the West and Georgia from the East. Let's talk Georgia first, and then we'll hit on Alabama. Georgia coming off the national championship. Do you expect any type of drop off from the national championship to this year uh, with Georgia this season? I, I don't that much because of the schedule. I mean, they're going to be a different team. They're going to be an offensive team. Here's what's crazy. They might have three tight ends that could start for any team in the country. They are that That's deep. Crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And I think their receivers are better, running better routes, uh, holding on to the ball. Stetson Bennett's not great. He's, you're going to get your shots at him. You're going to get a chance to intercept a, a couple balls every single game. He'll make some mistakes. But I love their running backs. I love I love Kendall Milton and also Kenny McIntosh. 
They, if I was them, I'd go with the M&M moniker and, and put some peanut or some plain M&Ms. And I think they're going to be a great combination. McIntosh out of the backfield might be as good as Cook. He is that good. And he's a little bit bigger and stronger. I don't know if he's faster, but... I just think, yeah, they're going to have to score more this year because defense, obviously, that was like a generational-type defense. But um, with that schedule, I mean, if they had to play Alabama's schedule, then I think they're going to lose a game or two. But they're going to be favored by a touchdown probably in every single game. Well, I think that's just what comes with playing in the SEC East right now because who can legitimately challenge Georgia in the East? Kentucky, maybe? Florida with the talent if they can put it all together. Uh, But ultimately with Georgia, the schedule does favor them. Let's talk a little bit of Alabama uh, real quick before I let you get out of here. Obviously, they lost last year in the national championship game. All they do is just reload when they lose guys on both sides of the football. We heard Nick Saban talk today. What did you hear from him uh, this morning at the main stage or even other places around here at SEC Media Days that gives you confidence about Alabama uh, this season? He gives you a lot of coach speak. He's never <laughs> going to give you much. Uh, I think he's a great personality. I think he he gets it, and, you know, he, he, he likes to put the pressure on everyone else. So, I mean, he is hard on himself, but they just got it going on still. And I, I don't really think they lost that game. They, they, the only reason they didn't win it is because they lost their whole receiving core. Mm-hmm. They couldn't throw the football, couldn't trust anyone. They had guys who were just too inexperienced. But I, I, I love his team this year. They've, he's got a quarterback. He's got maybe the best defensive player in college football. Here's how I look at things when I'm looking at college football. If you have a quarterback... You have two good defensive tackles. Those are the three most important players on the field. You will not hear that from anyone. Why? It's not a very common No, saying. people will say, oh, a quarterback and a left tackle. Quarterback and uh, a rush, pass rusher. In college football, if you have a quarterback, he controls the game, obviously. If you have two defensive tackles, they stuff the run. You can't run. Look at almost every team that wins. They have at least two of these three. And I'm not just talking about one good defensive tackle, usually both of them. I'm from Miami. Well, Miami was great. Yeah, they had good quarterbacks, but they also had great defensive yes, tackles. absolutely. And they, they, they pushed the pocket. And you have to have guys on each level make plays, not just get sacks. It's hurries. So if you have a guy on the defensive line that when it's third and one, third and two, every fourth or fifth time he makes a stop right before the chains. Or a linebacker, one-on-one with third and five, they throw a swing pass to the running back. It doesn't show up in the stats, just shows up as a tackle. But if he makes that tackle and makes, lets his defense get off the field and gets the ball back to the offense, or a defensive back that can, you know, create a bad throw because the, the receiver's covered, that to me, you can have a lot of real good guys, but if you don't have special guys on all three levels, you're not going to win a national title. In those positions you just talked about, Alabama's got them, and they always, yeah. even when they lose them, they still have them. Of course, Bryce Young, the Heisman-winning quarterback, what do you expect to see from him in this second year? I asked him and Nick Saban about this earlier, and Nick Saban was kind of hesitant. He didn't give a, you know, like you said, a lot of coach speech, <laughs> didn't give a, a super detailed answer, but what do you expect to see uh, from Bryce Young in year two, coming off the Heisman Trophy and national championship loss? More, more the same. I mean, the guy is just so calm and collected. I mean, you know, if he had anyone, he had one receiver in that last game, 
one of his studs. Uh, he wins the game. You know that pressure. He just faced a generational defense, but I, I love. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know when when the pocket collapses, he doesn't just all of a sudden say I'm going to run. Sometimes he buys time first, and that's important. He just gets it. I think he's going to be top two, top three pick. And then you get Gibbs, who comes over from Georgia Tech. How good is this guy? Um, I think he's the best running back they've had in a couple of years. So I, I liked a lot of their young receivers. So Alabama's going to be so, so good again. Talking to Lee Sterling, host of the Locked On Bets podcast here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, live from SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Lee, before I let you get out of here, what are your final predictions for Auburn's season? That's what our listeners want to know with the schedule and the craziness in the offseason. And there's more, look, there's more talent on this yeah. team than people realize. That's what I've been trying to get to them. But in your mind, what's your final prediction? You're the betting guy. What's your final prediction for Auburn's record? And should people be putting money on Auburn? I, I like Auburn. I think they're going to go 8-4. and four. I think they're going to exceed, you know, the projections of most of the pundits out there. And if things go right, anything any, you know, anything can happen. I, I think Arkansas is overrated. I mean, they lose their top two receivers. Jefferson's great, but without those two guys, trust me, he is not going to be the same quarterback. So Sam Pittman's better being the hunter and not hunting. And Lane Kiffin, he's going to have to play closer to the best. I don't think he's got the quarterback he wants. Everyone loves Jackson Dart. They're like, oh, he's got potential. But Greenlight has not come on with this guy. He looked awful in the spring game. Absolutely terrible. Luke Altmaier might start that game. And then Texas A&M, I think they're a year away. They have a what could be next year the greatest defensive line since Georgia. Mm-hmm. But they're a year away. So I, I, I think that they're, they're going to play extremely well and they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. Well, I know our listeners are excited to hear you say that. I think so, too. I think Auburn's going to be in a great position. There's more talent than people realize. But Lee Sterling, host of the Locked On Bets podcast. Before you go, let everybody know where they can find your podcast. Well, uh, Locked On Bets uh, on all platforms, Spotify, wherever you want to go. Just type in Locked On Bets on Google and you can listen Monday through Friday. Usually it comes out about 11, 11.30 Eastern time. And and then my website is ParamountSports.com. I do it all. Football. I do baseball. Basketball. Hockey, believe it or not. I have one of the top analysts in hockey at Covers.com. We wow, were number one for two years in UFC. So I have a former fighter who works for me. I think we've won seven of the last eight cards. And have UFC London and uh, Fight Night London coming up this Saturday. Starts at 12 noon Eastern. And then a UFC pay-per-view. And I don't know if you saw it. Nate Diaz just uh, signed. He's going to fight. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to be one of the best fights out there. That should be incredible. Uh, So uh, check us out, ParamountSports.com. Lots going on over there, Lee Sterling. Thank you so much for sitting down. I'll talk to you in just a second. That was Lee Sterling, host of the Locked on Bets podcast. I had that conversation and interview with him last week at SEC Media Days. Uh, What a great guy to sit down and talk to for the very first time. I hope to be able to bring him on during football season, maybe get some picks in for you guys uh, every single week during this upcoming college football season. We will discuss that later on. But let's take our final break here in this Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back. I'll have final take on recruiting and what Auburn's got to do to close the gap. Stay tuned. We'll wrap it up on the other side of this break. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader Jacob Goins with you, giving you final take here in the next uh, couple of minutes before the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They'll be on from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Well, lots of talk today about the recruiting differences between Alabama and Auburn as the Crimson Tide picked up yet again another five-star recruit for their 2023 class, Caleb Downs, the number one safety in the class, number 13 overall in that 2023 recruiting class. And look, final take is this. If Auburn wants to, to close the gap on Alabama, Georgia, and everybody else around the SEC and around the country, you've got to win. And the message has got to be this, Auburn should not be recruited by, or not should be out recruited by schools like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, not Vanderbilt, but you know what I'm saying, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, that's what I meant to say. Auburn should not be out recruited by schools other than, right now I should say, other than Alabama, Georgia, maybe LSU, but down the road, Auburn has got to get to a point where people are worried if Auburn is going to swoop in and steal somebody on the recruiting trail. Auburn should not be out-recruited and be 10th or 11th or worse in the SEC in the recruiting standings. That should not happen here at Auburn University. Auburn football should be top five recruiting at least every year. But right now, that's really hard to do because there is such a gap between Alabama, Georgia, and everybody else in the SEC and across the country. But what does it come down to for Auburn? It comes down to winning football games. It comes down to making your program better and taking that next step. Because right now, the gap between Auburn and Alabama in recruiting, it's not just recruiting. It's everything else. But I don't have to tell you that. You know. Everybody knows. But instead of us sitting here and complaining about the differences between Alabama and Auburn and how we just feel sorry for ourselves, why don't we try to fix it? And you know who else is saying that? And you know who else is doing that? Brian Harson and this coaching staff. Now, whether it works, we're going to find out. And if it doesn't work, then we're back to square one and we're going to have to find somebody that can do it. But you've got to get to action, and you've got to try and fix this thing. And you know what? It took them a while to get there, but I think they're doing the right things. So whether it's Brian Harson or another coach in the future, instead of just sitting back and watching Alabama take advantage of you, go and fix it. It is easier said than done, though. I'll give them credit on that. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.